Captain, the Lord, Father, we worship you, glorify you. Thank you for your presence, beautiful, beautiful Lord. Thank you that your word says that we can come with boldness to the throne of grace. Thank you that we might know today that the veil has been torn. And Jesus, your word says that you have destroyed enmity between me and the Father. You brought peace between me and him. And it's written, Lord, and now I have access to the throne of God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Because of what Jesus did, where it says, that now whatever I ask my Father in the name of His Son Jesus, it shall be given. Oh Lord, what a position for us to be in. That Your Word says that You've given us all the authority and all the power. Your Word says that You've given us such authority that there will be nothing that will be able to harm us nor hurt us. And thank you for your word that is true, that is sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you that we are the salt of the earth. Thank you so much, Lord, that this word that will be released this morning shall pierce through hearts, that people will be impacted and changed for your glory in the name of Jesus. Thank you that I can declare that there's no one like you. There's no other God beside you. Thank you that you are perfect in all of your ways, Lord. And it is written, whatever I ask, it shall be given. I pray this morning, I ask you in Jesus' name, that this will be a morning that will catapult your people into another dimension. They will experience, Lord, and new mantles will come down. People will be touched by your presence, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Even this morning as we consider the cost, we thank you that people will lay down everything on the altar for you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that, make you, that you'll make Jesus real to us. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that this word will not come back void. Open the people's understandings that they might understand. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Again, I want to welcome you all to our life service. I promise this morning to be with you and to declare the word of God. And I've got a, a word in my heart that I would like to release to the body of Christ and I want to ask you as always if you are watching me via television around the world I want to hear from you we want to know that you're watching us and where you're watching us from if you're watching us via some of the social media platforms tell us in the comment boxes where you're watching us from so awesome privilege to be able to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and I want to start off by by saying this that I'm not a novice in the word of God I've studied the Word of God my whole life. I've been in, in, in church my whole life. My, my dad is a preacher. I grew up in churches, grew up in ministry. And um, I, I'm together with my wife 10 years in full-time ministry. Been traveling around the world, touched 54 nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one of the things that I've, I've loved is the Word of God. I've studied this Word over and over and over. And I, I want to help you understand that this Word is, is living. It's sharper than any to its sword. This is one of the things that the Bible doesn't say. It doesn't say that the Word of God is like a feather. It's not a feather. It's a sword. It pierces. It doesn't tickle. It pierces. I pray today that the truth of God will touch you. Touch your heart. And that you will get you into a place of total surrender. The reason I believe that the Spirit of God wants me to preach this message is because there's a lot of people around the world that's asking these type of questions and especially the hour and the time that we're living in right now i want you to hear the following verse which paul said he says for for though you you might have ten thousand instructors in christ yet you do not have many fathers 
For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you to imitate me. Paul says there's a thousand instructors. A lot of people listen to so many people out there. But Paul says, if I can give you a secret, I want you to imitate me. Earlier in scripture you will understand that Paul says, I want you to imitate me as I imitate Christ. People need to understand anything with two heads is a freak. And what I want to teach on this morning, I want to teach about the mantle and the cost there is. Because people need to understand that there's a cost. Even in the gospel of Luke, the Lord Jesus himself started telling them about the cost of following him. The cost, if a builder, before he builds, he must take any, everything into consideration and work out the cost, what it will be to fulfill the purpose. And Jesus said the same thing. He said, it is crazy for you if you want to follow me not to consider the cost because truly there's a cost involved. And, uh, and, and right at the end of this chapter, he says something profound. He says, if you are not willing to forsake everything and follow me, you are not worthy of being my disciple. So here's Paul declaring something. He says, you have to have one person that you imitate in the body of Christ. Imitate, learn, listen, submit. And why is it important to have somebody that speaks to life? And this is very important to understand. Don't allow just everybody to speak into you. You have to surround yourself with people continuously. That is filled with faith. Filled with purpose. And filled with vision. I want to start off by saying this to you. Stop listening to constructive criticism from anybody that hasn't constructed anything in their lives. You can't listen to people and, and take adv advice on how to live your life when, they li when their lives is a mess. You have to understand this. Never share your dream with people who do not have a bigger dream than you. Don't even share with people in your vision that doesn't have faith, that doesn't walk with faith. A lot of people can speak about the topic of faith, but has never really had the, the decision to make to live a life of faith. To surrender everything, to lay it down and say, Lord, I'm going to lay down everything in my life to follow you. The reason why I can say this this morning, because a lot of people see you in glory, but they do not know your story. And I, I, I want to say this, that there's a lot of people that you can either, you know, I want everybody to eat. I want to see the whole world, everybody eat, but not always at the same table that I am. The Bible says that God will bless you in the presence of your enemies. The Bible says that God will prepare a table in the presence of your enemies. Let your enemies eat, but not at your table. I want to say something else. The Bible says, bless your enemies. Thank God I don't have any enemies. <laughs> let me say that. Let, let me tell you this again. God says, bless your enemies. Thank God I don't have any enemies. No, nobody to bless. Hallelujah. Don't consider them enemies. There's a reason I'm building up something. I'm building up to a foundation. Because I want you to understand that this is what Paul says. He says, imitate me. Imitate me. Look at my conduct of life. Look at our trust the Lord. Look at our walk in faith. There's so many people, that especially youngsters that I speak to today and say, if they, they, they ask me, train me, I want to learn from you. They ask them, where do you submit? Who do you allow to speak into your life? And they say, well, I've got, I've got him, I've got her, I've got him, I've got her. I've got her. I said, no, sit down. If you can't submit anywhere, you're not ready for God to take you into another dimension of faith. But I want you to understand that the calling of God is what it is. It's a calling. It's not a good, uh, um, one morning you woke up with a great idea and you, you said, I'm going to go into ministry. This is not what it is. Ministry is not a decision that you made. 
ministry, I always say that any person that said to me, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing ministry, is not those who's called. Those who's called, the ministry chose you. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, God has created you. And this is what you need to understand. A called man, many are called, but few are chosen. The chosen ones have been created for the sole purpose of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one morning you woke up, not with a bright idea. Everything in vessel to brain kicked against the goats of preaching the gospel. I said to the Lord, Lord, you can find people that's more equipped. But God is not looking for the equipped people. God is looking for the people that yielded to him. People that completely surrendered and sold out for the use of the master. One thing that I want you to understand as I build this up and then I'm going to get into, right into the word of God. Is that you need to understand without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we're going to make a mess of it. So God calls people and he anoints them for a certain reason. If I, if I study the word of God, Jesus said this clear. He says, anywhere that you go and they do not receive you, shake the dust off your feet and move on. Because ultimately, it's not you that they didn't receive. They didn't receive Christ in you. Jesus made it clear. He said, it will be better for Sodom and Gomorrah on that day. The judgment will be more stricter for any people, any place, any town who hasn't received you. But what did Jesus say? Did he say, stop preaching? No, he said, just shake off the dust of your feet and move on. Because somewhere people will, rele will receive you. So what I've seen, Jesus made it clear. He says, in this world, you will suffer persecution. He says, people will hate you for his name's sake. Listen, when you are hated by men, you have to understand that you are next in line for the biggest breakthrough ever. Jesus made a clear promise. He said, there's a hundredfold blessing on those who's being hated for the gospel's sake. He says, if you have to go through persecution, you have to suffer anything. Even if it means that your name suffer for his name's sake, it means there's a hundredfold blessing. I want you to write there in the comment box if you're watching me over Facebook. I want you to write there a hundredfold because what you need to understand when there's an attack upon your life for the gospel's sake, you're next in line for a hundredfold blessing in this life and the life to come eternal life. Let me hit you with knowledge. Your biggest, biggest fans will be a stranger. That will be your biggest fan. The person that will hate you the most will be people that know you. You didn't hear this. Your biggest fans will be people that do not know you. But the people that will hate you the most is people that knows you. And this is why I want you to understand that when God anoints you, you don't preach for the masses, you preach for the audience of one. When God is anointed, you don't worship for the audience of a thousand. You worship for the audience of one. You have to put Christ in mind. So here's what the Bible is saying. Jesus went to certain towns. And this is the saddest part of it all. And I, I'm going to go into a little bit more details. But here's the, here's the, let me just read you the scripture. Psalm 105, 15 says, saying, Do not touch my anointed ones, and do my prophets no harm. Moreover, he called a famine in the land. And he destroyed all the provision of their bread. Now you might say, well, God was speaking about Israel. And it's fine. But there's a lot of scriptures, hundreds that prove a fact. That when you touch the anointing of God, you are walking in dangerous territory. Here God says, because you have touched my anointed and you have done my prophet's harm. I have destroyed the provision in your land. 
a lot of and even it goes on he says i will stop you from eating bread this means a lot of people that has touched the anointing of god in an unworthy manner and later on in this sermon i'll teach you on something but it's very clear he says a lot of people have lack in their homes because their mouths were open against the men of god against servants of god against the anointed of god now let me just say this there's three kinds of anointings that the bible say and i, I can't go into too much detail right now but it speaks about first of all the leprous anointing secondly it speaks about the the priestly anointing thirdly it speaks about the kingly anointing everybody that gives their lives to the lord is anointed but it's called a leprous anointing it's not it doesn't mean that god is going to use you in supernatural signs and wonders it doesn't mean that god's going to give you a mighty ministry it's just you're anointed because you belong to him but it's a leprous anointing it's an anointing that you receive when you give your life to the lord but then there's these chosen people who walk in kingly anointing. That kingly anointing and kingly authority speaks about the raising of the dead. It's high places that you walk with God in. It's an anointing that God has set you apart. You preach to the, to the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. Signs, wonders and miracles follow you all the days of your life. And then you touch that anointing. That's the most dangerous territory ever. And it's, and, and it's vice versa. Let me explain something to you. So here the Bible teaches us that if you touch the anointed of God, you will suffer. You'll die. There will be no, no food in your house. God will withhold the food from your house. But here's the thing. A lot of people walk in a kingly authority, kingly anointing, kingly dominion, and they walk in sin. This is why a lot of people die before their time. Because when God has opened up that measure of power to you and you walk in unrighteousness, it is very dangerous territory. So God can do the same against you that is being highly used of God and suddenly you succumb to sin. This is where the Bible says that God will give your flesh over to the devil so that he can still save your spirit, save your soul. So I want to go into something. The, the word of God is clear on, on the following verse. That there's an anointed man called Elijah. And Elijah was called of God. Elijah was anointed. Elijah saw signs, wonders, and miracles. By the way, Elijah's in the Old Testament. Elijah didn't have the new covenant promises. We have this. We are part of a better covenant. Long story short, Elijah was called. And the Bible teaches us that Elijah didn't saw death. Elijah didn't saw death. God just took him. But before God took him, God made sure that he's raising up somebody else in his place. So God didn't say, go down the street and choose anybody you want. No, this is not what God said. God spoke to Elijah and he said, I have anointed the man in your place. Before God, listen, before God puts you to a plan, God will always put you with a man. Before God said to Elisha, I'm going to show you the things I'm going to do through you. Before God even said to Elisha, I'm going to give you double the miracles that Elijah did. What did he do? He placed Elisha with a man. He placed Elisha with Elijah and his only job was to observe, to serve, to submit, to do whatever I can. I pour my heart out for this man because what's on his life, double must come upon mine. But to backtrack a little bit is the following. Elisha knew he's called of God. Elisha knew that there's a calling upon him. God didn't say to Elijah, choose anybody you want. No, God said, I already, I already anointed somebody in your place and this is very important the anointing comes from God the anointing doesn't come because somebody has selected you it doesn't matter who calls you if God doesn't call you that calling means nothing it doesn't it doesn't help you that you put a title before your name unless God has given you the title 
And I want to speak to somebody right now and say this to you. That the character is much, much more important than the title. Character is more important than power. You can have the highest title, but if you have not have the character of God, the anointing will destroy you prematurely. And what I need to say to somebody right now, what people don't understand, when you attach yourself to the gospel, if you say, I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you're not called, do you know what you do? You open up a white door for the devil to come in and to destroy you. This is why it's important to understand, if you are not called to the fivefold ministry, then you are called to the ministry of helps. All right? It doesn't, you, doesn't, you don't have to preach the gospel to be saved. Maybe God just anointed you to be a help, to be a help in somebody else's ministry. Let me say this again. If you step in and say, I'm an apostle, self-promoted apostle, what you also do is you open up a door for the attacks of the apostle. A lot of people want to be called an apostle, but you have to study the word of God. What persecutions an apostle had to go through. The Bible says they were in jail. They, there was famine in the land. They were hungry. They were persecuted. They were hated. They were beheaded. And more important than all, they walked with signs, wonders, and miracles. So people think that when the mantle comes upon my life, it's moonshine and roses. People think that when the anointing comes upon my life, it speaks about open doors and the world just opens up. But what they miss is there's an attack and an assignment then on your head. The devil hates you with a passion. So what I always tell people, if you are not called, don't preach the gospel. You know, some are called to preach the gospel. And some are called just to step out of the way so that those who are really called of God can do their job. If you're not called to preach the gospel, stand aside. Because the mantle will also judge you. I know this is very deep, but you need to understand this. I want you to open up your Bible to the first book of Kings. First book of Kings, 1919, it says the following. So Elijah, he departed from there and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12, then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and he said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him, took a yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, boiled their flesh, using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. Now, just very quickly. The Bible says Elijah found Elisha plowing. Plowing means working. A lot of people want, want God to use them, but they're not working. They say, what do you mean working? Working means praying. You know, if you, if you study this, Elisha was pushing the plow. There was dirt upon him. Dirt stuck on him. You have to get down and dirty. You have to get your feet wet. You have to be able to go through the dust. Pray your way out of stuff. So people that want to be used of God but can't even pray the heavens open. It's impossible for you. When Elijah found Elisha, Elisha wasn't sitting playing games. Elisha wasn't gossiping. He wasn't speaking about men and women of God. He wasn't touching the anointing of God. No, no, he was busy working, busy doing something. And the Bible says that when Elijah saw him, Elijah didn't say anything to him. Because those who's called, you don't have to say anything to, to them. It shines from them. I want to say it one more time. I feel like preaching up a storm in this place this morning. Hear me right now. The Bible says light and darkness cannot mix.
When light steps in, I can switch off all the lights and I can light a match in this place. And the, the small light of a match will start to shine through this whole building. This is what light and darkness does. When the light steps in, the darkness is pushed out. So when somebody is called, they don't have to say, I am called. You see the light of God upon them. It shines through them. This is why Elisha didn't have to say, I'm called, I'm called. Elisha didn't walk around with a board hanging over his neck and said, I'm the called of God. I'm next in line. He didn't do that. Elijah saw him and he knew the hand of God is upon him. The hand of God can be visibly seen upon people. When they open their mouths, they can hear that that man has been with God. If you have not been with God, you cannot stand before man. The Bible says it's clear. It didn't say a word to him. It didn't say a word to him. You don't have to say a word. A lion never have to say he's a lion. You can see he's a lion. Why? By his mane. You can know a man by his fruit. You can know a man by the hand of God is upon him. You know what the Bible teaches us? It says that you are the salt of the world, not the, not the sugar. The salt. A lot of people want the sugar coating messages. But the Bible doesn't call us the sugar of the world. It calls us the salt. The salt. You bring flavor. With the word of God, you stand out like a lampstand. Everybody knows the hand of God is upon him. The hand of God is upon him. So very important to understand that interchange was powerful because there was no words that was exchanged. Elijah just knew this is the man of God. This is the next in line. And here's what the Bible says. Elijah took his own mantle off and he put it on the, on the shoulders of Elisha. He didn't say a word. He walked past. In the 21st century, what people do when they receive the mantle of God, they do the opposite of what Elisha was doing. They get the mantle, they turn around and they walk this way. And they say, I'm going to buy a pair of speakers and start a ministry. And then not long, they fail. Because what you have to understand, God can anoint you, but not in the same time appoint you. Very important to understand. The appointment come after the character. The appointment, there's the saint. God will send you after the promise, after you've been through some stuff. People say that, well, Christians don't need to go through some stuff. How do you build character? How do you build hope if you don't submit somewhere? So the Bible says that when the mantle touched Elisha, he ran after Elijah, the man of God. He said, man of God, just hang on. First of all, I'm a businessman. I need to get my affairs in order. I need to go back home. I want to greet my family. And Elijah said something to him. He said, what do I have to do with you? Testing him. How much he wants it. And the Bible says, what Elijah did was, he took an ox, slaughtered it. Key, key, key. He made an, a, a sacrifice, an offering that would sustain him for his whole ministry. The first thing he done was sacrificing unto the Lord. Gave a sacrifice. Sowing a seed that would keep him for his ministry. Then he sowed away his business. He gave it away. Didn't sell it off. He gave it away. And the Bible says from that day, he followed Elijah. I, I, I like this. You know, every time Elijah did something, Elijah didn't say, hang on, hang, hang on now, hang on now. I'm called. Maybe you should do it this way. The Bible doesn't even say that Elisha spoke anything. But I will not leave you 
I'm going where you go. Elisha didn't give his opinion. Elisha didn't even quote scripture. Elisha's only job was to observe what God has called the man of God to do. Because he knows what I sow, I reap. If I sow dishonor, I reap dishonor. If I sow honor, now a lot of people complain about doors that's closed. You can't complain about doors that's closed if you walk in with dishonor. Dishonor will close up doors all around you. So I want you to hear this. If I, if I go on to the second book of Kings. Second Kings, and I'm not going to read everything. You, you can go through second Kings from verse 1. It came a place where the Bible says it was called a, a place called Gilgal. When, when Elijah was about to go into Gilgal, he said to Elisha, I want you to stay here. You can't go with me. And Elisha said, wherever you go, I go. As long as my soul live and God live, I'm not going to leave you. Why did Elijah ask Elisha to stay? To test him, to see how much he wants it. Please hear me right now. The anointing is not cheap. People have cheapened the anointing. People have cheapened the call of God. I can tell you about stories. Years after years what we've been through. It's not cheap. This is why I, I'm so passionate about what I do. I'm so passionate about the anointing because I know what it has cost me. You might say, well, we are under grace. It costs you nothing. No, no, the Bible says, Jesus says this. The work that I've started in you, I will finish. It's a work in progress. I can't just sit and do nothing. Faith without the works is absolutely dead. It's going to cost you something. And again, I'm not a novice. I'm not preaching from yesterday. I know what it cost. Jesus has considered the cost. If you do not hate mother, if you don't hate father, if you don't hate child, you are not worthy of me. What does it mean to hate mother and child in this context? It means if you're not ready even to, to uh, lose them. Because I promise you, the first to go when you give everything to the Lord is family members. It's the first to go is family members. It's those first that will mock you. It's people that's so-called family. This is why Jesus came and he says, who's my mother and who's my father? Those who does the will of my father. Those are your family members. Not those who's called. You know, not everybody that's kin to you will always be kind to you. Nobody that's, not everybody, thank you Holy Spirit, let me say this. Not everybody that's kin to you will be key to you. They might be kin to you, but not key to you. God will bring those who's key to you like never before. So Gilgal, it's a place of faith. What happened at Gilgal? You, have, can, you can understand this, that the Bible says that when God delivered Israel out of Egypt, every single day there was a cloud in the heaven. At night there was a, a fire, a pillar of fire. And so they were walking by eyesight. The cloud was a GPS by day. They followed the cloud. By night they followed the pillar of fire. But when Israel got to Gilgal, the fire disappeared. The cloud disappeared. The fire pillar disappeared. Now they had to walk by faith and no longer by, or they had to walk by insight, no longer by, by eyesight. Gilgal is a place of the testing of the faith. The first place that Elijah took Elisha was a place of the testing of the faith. Let me quickly tell you this, that when the mantle comes upon your life, you're going to be tested by, through your faith like never before. The Bible says it's clear that every man's work will be tested through fire. And that which is not of God, that which is not is rooted, will fall away. So Gilgal is a place of the testing of your faith. I'm speaking to people that has been going through some stuff in your faith. Romans 1 teaches us you can go from faith to faith. How many of you watching me right now has gone through a season where your faith has been challenged like never before? And you know, it, and, 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 and while, while 
their faith was challenged. Here's a group of men. The Bible says 50 sons of the prophets. I want to say this in your context. You understand? This was brethren, church people. 50 of them said to Elisha, don't you know that your father will be removed from you? They wanted to discourage him. You'll get discouragement every single way, especially when there's anointing of God upon you. When there's a calling, you get three kinds of people in life. You get the caretakers, you get risk takers, and you, you get undertakers. You're a risk taker. Forget about the caretakers and the undertakers. You'll always see that people that does the least will always speak the most. They will try to discourage you why you can't go to the next level. But I'm as a man of God prophesy to you right now. If God says yes, no man can say no. If God decides to open up a door, no man's opinion, even if their faces change against you, God's plan will not change against you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I want to pray that God will double dose the anointing upon your life. That a fire will set you on fire now in the mighty name of Jesus. Gilgal, a place of the testing of the faith. So the scripture says that after they went through Gilgal, the next place that they were supposed to go was Bethel. Here's Elijah telling Elisha, you can't go with me. You have to stay where you are. I'm on my way to Bethel. I can just imagine the response. Elisha said, listen, brother, I have given my whole life. And just by the way, free of charge. Elisha followed Elijah roughly 13 years. 13 years. Now, let me just backtrack a little bit. 13 years prior to that, he received Elijah's mantle. 13 years before that, the mantle fell on him. 13 years, he was anointed, but he wasn't appointed. Now he served faithfully. I can just see the interaction between the two. And by the way, here's the 50 men, again, telling Elisha, don't you know that your father is going to be removed from you today? What does Elijah respond I know, keep quiet. Shut up. I don't want to hear from you. You haven't, you haven't been through Gilgal with me. You haven't served this man faithfully. I don't care what you say. I've seen God move through him. And the same God that moved through him will move through me. Bethel. On the way to Bethel. Elijah was testing Elijah. How much do you want it? You can't go where I'm going. You have to stay here. As long as my soul lives and the Lord lives, I refuse. I will not let you go. Wherever you lodge, I lodge. Your God will be my God. I'm serving faithfully. Elijah, I've just been through the greatest testing of my faith ever. I'm not going to back down now. I'm going to run this race. I'm going to finish my course. For there is a crown that is laid up for me. The Bible says if I do not give up now, there's a reward for me. I refuse to listen to the naysayers. I refuse to listen to the 50 useless. I'm going to run my race because I know that I have been anointed of God. God is with me and if God is for me, who can be against me? So I'm going where you go. Bethel speaks about sacrifice. Speaks about sacrifice. I want to quickly touch on this. When God has called you to greatness, you're going to have to sacrifice everything. This is where it comes where you're going to lose it all. You're going to lose it all. People will walk out of your life. People will mock you. People will say all bad things about you. One of the sacrifices is a sacrifice of your name. You're going to have to forsake your name, lose your name completely. A great man of God said to me the one day, he says, I always hear you give God the glory for all, all the things that you do and all the things that God does through you. I said, absolutely. He says, so now if the glory is not yours, if it's God's, then the persecutions is also not yours, it's God's. So when you are 
receiving glory, it's not yours. When you receive persecution, it's also not yours. I feel the, uh, it's like heaven. It just has come, just, it just touched me right now. I want to say this to you. I think about Saul. Saul was anointed by God, man of God, until David came to the scene. The, the woman started singing that Saul killed a thousand men. <laughs> he's, he, he's, he's the man of the thousand. But David is the man of the 10,000. When Saul listened to the praises of people and Saul heard that the people are praising David, he became so angry at David that from that day, he decided I'm going to kill him. Please hear me right now. Saul was an anointed of God. And because he listened to the people's praises, this is why you need to understand, never listen to the praises of man. The praises does not even belong to us. So if the praise does not belong to us, the persecution does not belong to us. We have to understand how to redirect it back to the Lord. I'm going to get back to David and Saul in a minute, but just quickly hear me. The next place to be, they sacrificed everything. The next place to, to go to was Jericho. Elijah said to Elisha, you can't go with me. I'm on my way to Jericho. Same thing happened. 50 sons of the prophet. They, they accused him and said, hey, Crazy man, don't you know your father will be removed from you? Same thing happened. Elisha said, I know, keep quiet. Shut your mouth. I don't want to hear anything from you. I know what it's been to, to test my faith. My faith has been tested to the core. I've been through storms. I've been through everything in my life. Now I just came through the worst sacrifice of my life. I am not letting this go. Elijah, wherever you go, I'm going. And the scripture says they went to Jericho. Jericho speaks about warfare. A lot of people ask me this question. They say, how do you walk in the supernatural? I'm going to demonstrate this quickly. This is how you walk in the supernatural. On your knees. Jericho speaks about warfare. Fight in the spirit. Pray. Pray in the spirit. Pray always. Fervently. So Jericho is a place of warfare. You're going to go through warfare. You're going to go through raging storms. Just before the next part, the scripture says that Elijah said to Elisha, I'm on my way to the Jordan. You can't go with me. When Elijah said to his 50 sons of the prophets, Hey, crazy man, don't you know your father will be removed from you? I know, shut up. I don't want to hear from you. Sometimes you have to tell those naysayers, those undertakers, those caretakers to zip their lips. This is why you have to surround yourself with people with faith. You have to find a man that's doing what you want to do and do it with him. Learn from him. Submit there. But keep your eyes on the price. Keep your ears close to the negativity of the world. And God will always use you in a supernatural way. He said to Elijah, I can just imagine the exchange. I have come through faith. My faith has been tested. I've sacrificed everything. I've given my time to warfare. You know what, what warfare, the most powerful thing about this is? Is if you understand this, that the servant is never above the master. While the master is doing the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the servant is supposed to be in a place of warfare. They are supposed to pray, pray and pray so that the man of God can do what he needs to do. And that's focus, bringing heaven down. I'm not leaving you. Elijah, there's no way. And here's the, here's the most powerful part for me. 
The Bible says the 50 sons of the prophets stood afar while the two of them walked towards the Jordan. It doesn't say the 50 has walked across Jordan into the promised land. This is what happens to the undertakers. It's what happens to the caretakers and to those who hate you, that speak against you, that's touching your anointing. They will never walk into the promised land. So the Bible says, Elijah rolled up his mantle, whacked the water, and the water spotted. You know, this is a man of the God's own heart. I haven't seen the Bible says that Elijah said, I'm going to fast for seven days. I'm going to go in and hear what God's will is. No, he walked towards the Jordan, smacked the water, and the waters opened up because of his relationship with the Lord. And the Bible says they both walked through on dry ground while the 50 stood afar off. You need to hear this. You need enemies because enemies is always a sign that his success is coming. You need somebody that will stand and see you run over the winning race or winning line. The 50 never passed over. Just by the way, I'm thinking about this. There was 50 sons of the prophets that spoke negatively against the anointing. That's exactly what it is. That's not my anointing. Do my prophets no harm. The Bible says Elijah did 16 miracles. While Elisha performed 32 miracles. It speaks about 38 miracles. Or, or rather 48 miracles. 48 miracles. And then Elijah's a miracle himself. And Elisha, his life was a miracle. It speaks about 50 miracles. So God gave them a miracle for each mocker. God gave them a miracle. I declare to you in the name of Jesus for every single mocker, God will bring you a miracle. For every single naysayer, God will bring you a yaysayer in the name of Jesus Christ. And when they got to the promised land, this is what the, the key part is. Elijah turned to him and said, now, what do you want me to do for you? You see what happened? Elijah didn't ask him when they was in Jericho, what do you want me to do for you? Elijah waited until the appointed time. Because this is what the powerful thing is. In the book of Acts, you'll find that the Bible says, separate Saul and Barnabas for me. Separate them for the work of the ministry. You see, they were called, but not yet sent. Not yet separated. People need to understand this. A lot of times the anointing comes upon here. But you have to wait for the separation. When the separation comes, God brings forth the anointing upon your life that will destroy yokes on many. And so when the time has come, when Elijah saw Elisha, he's got the character now. You know what? You won't find that Elijah walked around and said, I'm major prophet. Elisha didn't say, I'm, I'm senior apostle. Didn't do that. Their lives spoke for themselves. Don't let your title speak for you. Let your life speak. Let the light of God shine through you. Let that speak. So here's a powerful thing. He says, if there's anything I can ask of you, I want a double portion of your spirit. A lot of people say, well, you can't ask for a double portion. You can. You can't ask a double portion of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is a person. He can't be divided. But he said, I ask a double portion of your spirit. In other words, I want to ask you a double portion of the favor that's on you. The doors that God is opening up for you, I want a double portion of that. You know, a double portion doesn't come through the laying on of hands. 
the double portion come through longevity, through spending time with the carrier of the mantle. The mantle cannot be hijacked. You, ca you cannot fabricate it. It comes through a lifetime of surrender where you have considered the cost. What is going to cost you? Laying down your life for the gospel's sake. Through longevity, spending time with the carrier of the, of the mantle of God. That's how the exchange comes. Being faithful. Being faithful. Even when a man rebukes you, you take the rebuke and you learn from it. And here's the powerful thing. There's a thousand different teachers as Paul says. He says, imitate me. Elisha didn't walk and listen to the 50. He says, I'm imitating this man. He's listening to God and I'm just going to listen. So Elijah, Elijah said to him, if you see me go and my mantle drops, take it. If it's not that way, then it's not. But if it comes, take the mantle. And here's the most glorious thing. The Bible says, fire, chariots of fire came down, picked up Elijah into a whirlwind. And something happened. This happened. A mantle fell down. Elijah picked it up, walked towards the Jordan. He whacked the water and he said, where is the God of Elijah? And the water parted. But you need to hear me. 13 years prior, a mantle came upon Elisha. He received the mantle from man. He received the mantle from man because God said to Elijah, I have anointed a man in your place. So go and anoint him. And he received the mantle from Elijah. After serving faithfully, going through all these seasons and stages in his life, when Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind, the Bible says a mantle came from heaven. And Elijah, or Elisha rather, caught what he was taught. And he walked towards the water. Whacked the waters because what? He saw his father do it before him. You see, the first mantle comes from man. After serving faithfully, after being appointed, the second mantle comes from God. And this is why you need to understand after that, 32 miracles, double the miracles that came upon Elijah. Elijah was used in such a powerful way that the scripture says, and let me just say this to you, this is the God of love, by the way. When they mocked Elisha, he rebuked them. And the scripture says, bears came out of the wood and devoured them, killed them, those who touched the anointed of God. I want to say this with a, actually a contrite spirit, that demons won't even say what Christians are saying. When, when they said to Jesus that he's a devil, it wasn't demons that said it. It was people. It was men that says that he has a demon in him. Devils recognizes the anointing, while Christians is as blind as bats. Demons cried out and said, this is the son of God. Not even demons would have touched the son of the living God. But yet the people criticized him as being wicked you know what happened the bible says miriam and aaron spoke against god's servant moses and what people don't understand is there's no conversation that is secret every single conversation even if you speak against a man behind walls god hears it and how do i know that because god called the free out of the camp he said come and stand before me and he said to Miriam and Aaron, he said, look at this man. He said, that when I speak to prophets, I speak to them in visions and in dreams, but not with this man. 
With this man, I have a different relationship. I speak to him face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he said, I am sick and tired of how you speak against this man of God. And you know what happened? The Bible says, leprosy touched Miriam immediately. And his skin started withering away. And now what happened was they were crying out to Moses. Here's the thing. When Moses went to the Lord, he said, Lord, can you please heal her? He said, no ways. She's going to have to do what the law says. She needs to go out of the camp. And after a while, come back. When you pray for her, I'll heal her. What people don't understand, both Aaron and Miriam spoke against Moses. But Miriam was the one who received leprosy. Now I'm going to teach you why. Aaron was a priest. And the scripture speaks about Aaron had a priestly garment. He speaks about the priestly anointing. It was the priestly anointing that protected Aaron. But the Bible is very, very clear. That the day when Aaron went up to Mount Or, the scripture says, when the priestly garment was removed, he died. Death waited for him on Mount Or. And this is what needs, people need to understand. A lot of people is halfway up against Mount Or. Because they spoke and touched against God's anointed. Listen, even when David said the following, the Bible says that Saul hated David. Now think about this. My wife spoke to me and gave me, gave me this marvelous thing. Saul was a king. And Saul decided, I hate this man so much that I'm going to live in caves. The Bible says he even did his toilet business behind the bush. I'm talking to you about a king. A king that did his business behind the bush. A king that slept in caves because he hates the anointing so much on David's life that he said, it doesn't matter what it's going to cost me. I'll deficit in a, behind the bush. I'll sleep in a cave. But this man I'm going to kill. So the Bible says he became wicked. Saul became wicked. Long story short, eventually David found Saul sleeping in a cave. And David went into him. He had an opportunity to kill him. And you know what he did? He took a part of his mantle, cut it off. And the Bible says on his way out, David's heart was broken. And he even, he even tore his, his garments and cried out before God. For what reason? Because he just even touched the garment of the anointed of God. David said, I had an opportunity to kill him. But I will not touch the anointed of God. Please understand, then Saul was wicked, but he was still anointed. And David even said, even though he's wicked, he's still the anointed of God and I refuse to touch him, lest I die. People need to hear me right now. There's a lot of wicked people out there, but your job is not to touch them. Your job is not to, to speak against them. Your job is not to stand behind walls and have anything bad about them to say because surely leprosy will take you out. Your lampstand will be removed. We all understand that even Moses didn't went into the, into the promised land because of his disobedience towards God but death waited for Aaron when the priestly garment came off this is why Miriam was struck immediately because there was no anointing Aaron was protected because of the priestly garment when the garment came off death waited for him you know I had dreams about a great man of God I don't need to mention his name the world calls him wicked the world hates him in the dream, I heard the voice of God clearly when I saw this man, clearly say to me, never speak against, against this man, never. Doesn't matter if the prophecies is off, if whatever they do, never speak against him. And I, I thought to myself, why did the Lord say this to me? 
is because the mantle that you judge will ultimately judge you. Any mantle that you dishonor, even if you don't agree with them, your job is not to speak against them. Your job is not even to give your opinion. Your opinion doesn't matter. Don't touch that anointing. It's the most dangerous thing ever. I want to ask people right now to hear me. If you believe with all of your heart that there's a call upon your life, you have to understand that there's a, a price. A price that you're going to have to pay for a supernatural anointing of God. I, I feel just this to share this quickly. My dad always confirmed the, the, the will of God for my life. Always said, you're going to preach one day. And I said, I'll never preach. I'll clean, the, I'll clean the church, be a security guard, cut the grass, I'll never preach. When I knew I couldn't run away from God anymore, I went to the Lord and I said to the Lord, if, if you want me to preach, I don't want to be an ordinary man. I want to be extraordinary. I want you to anoint me like you've never anointed any man before. And what I didn't knew back then is I was setting myself up for, for something that would have cost me my whole life. When my wife and I, we made a vow to the Lord, we said we're going to serve God no matter what, we lost everything. Everything that you can possibly think about. We lost houses, cars, every sense of security. If I look back today, all my earthly security was gone, but I've gained the greatest security ever. I've gained Christ. I've lost the world. I've gained Christ. Stood on street corners many times with boards asking to help. But do you know what God is? He's faithful. I said, God is faithful. A lot of people wanted to see us go down. But we made a, a vow to the Lord. We said, Lord, it doesn't matter what. We'll serve you. We've been through some of the greatest raging storms that shook us to the core. To the core. But we hold fast to our faith and to our integrity. While the world was saying, curse God and die. We said we're going to hold fast to every single promise of the Lord. And I want you to hear me right now. I want to encourage, I want to speak to three groups of people. First of all, those who's called by God. There's anointing upon your life. I don't want you to give up. I don't want you to give in. You see, Samson lost the power because he told Delilah what she wanted to hear. With the minute you tell people what they want to hear, you lose the power. Don't negotiate the truth of God's word for people. I, I, I love so much that I, if, I, if I hear people say, well, certain countries have to speak in a different tone because people, bull twang, stop watching television and start preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ with power. It's the same gospel. The gospel will never change. It will never change. It will never lose its power. The same power that's applied in South Africa through the blood of Christ is the same power that's flowing in America, it's flowing in Germany. Come on, it's flowing in Austria. It's flowing around the world. It's the same gospel. What do we need to do? Get back to the basics and preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Number two, if you're not called, get a job. Get a ministry that you can submit to and pour out your life to. And God will honor you in a supernatural way. Group number three, uh, there's, a, there's a man on YouTube, but I don't want to mention his name, attacking every single preacher. And he sits in a chair like this, crooked, crooked, speaking against God's anointed. Everybody's fake and a phony and false except for him. And he's crooked already because he speaks against the servants of God. When will our eyes open up? When will we realize that demons won't even say what men are saying? And who are we? To say that those, those, that man is false, it's not your business. Even if that man is wicked, I'll not touch the anointed of God. 
Stop touching God's anointed. I've seen people speak against the body of Christ and they've got nothing today. When will you wake up and realize, smell the coffee? It's not about you. It's not about you. You're not in an exposing ministry. There's no such ministry as an exposing ministry, by the way. While you try to expose people, God will expose your sin. Stop exposing people and start to pray for people. If you don't understand it, zip your lip, but never touch the anointing of God. Never. I would encourage every single one right now in the mighty name of Jesus. The hour is at hand, people of God, where we will see the greatest outpour of the Holy Spirit. God spoke to me very, very long time ago about all the combined anointings of the past that will be combined together in the final move where we will see God move like we've never seen Him move before. Never in our lives. And I believe the hour is upon us, upon the church. Two things that needs to come to the body of Christ right now is the money of the wicked is coming to the just. Secondly, the greatest outpour of God's Spirit. It will be supernatural. It will be supernatural. I want you at your home just to lift your hands with me. Come on. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, mantles will be restored. There's a preacher watching me right now. I feel it in my spirit. There's a preacher watching me right now. You've given up hope. You've basically thrown in the towel. And you're called of God. It's not a good idea. You're called of God. But it seems like everything is difficult. It seems like the more you try to do it, in actual fact, I hear it in my spirit. You cry out what the, what the psalmist says in Psalm 3. Oh Lord, look upon my enemies, how they increase against me. But stop just reading that and go a little bit further. He says, oh you, oh God, are my glory and the lifter of my head. And I want to say to you, sir, it's time to lift up your head right now and see that those who are for you are much more than those who are against you. Opposition is a sign of breakthrough. You can't quit because you have been opposed and people are, is against you. When I was speaking about the 50 sons of the prophets, it's like your spirit leaped within you and said, I'm, I'm them. I'm there where people mock me and speak against me. Let them speak. Let them do whatever they need to do. But you need to run your race. It's not time to throw in the towel right now. It's not time to retire. It's time to refire. And I pray that God will restore your mantle supernaturally. That God will pick you up. That the heavens will open up over your life. And that the Lord will use you in this hour like He's never used me before. You might even say to me, well, there's no provision. There's famine in the land. God can use this famine. Turn it around for your good. Only thing that you need to do is fall down on your knees, repent before the Lord and say, Lord, I'll never ever say to people what I want to hear. I am not a messenger of this world. I'm a messenger of God. And I want you to change your mindset. You're not working for the people. You're working for God. You are working for God. Put your eyes on Him right now in Jesus' name. I pray for those who says, I'm just a servant. You know, one of the greatest titles ascribed to men is not apostle. It's not prophet. It's servant. Jesus says you want to be great. Serve. I pray for those with servant hearts right now. That God will give you double honor. That God will bless you going and your coming. I pray that the people that you serve, the ministry that you serve faithfully, that the double portion will come upon your life this very hour, this very minute. I pray that the anointing that you put value on, it will start to open up doors for you in a miraculous way. You see, what you honor, you have access to. If there's an anointing that you honor, you have access to that. And I pray that you will access that right now in the name of Jesus. That God will open up a mighty door for you in this day. The peace of God that will flood your soul will move in your house right now in Jesus' name. And I speak to those 
whose sole purpose in life is to attack. I pray that, that you will go before the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. I'll never ever, even behind the scenes, speak about men of God again. God will always reveal what people say to you in the secret. No conversation is secret. God is everything. God sees everything. You might say, well, I said it in a joking way. God sees everything. God hears everything. And God will judge everything. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, you might come before the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. It's not my job to expose. It's not my job to speak against. If there's mantles that you touched, you'll never walk in that mantle. Ask the Lord. If you don't understand something, ask the Lord for forgiveness and say, Holy Spirit, show me the right way. You know, a lot of people say, well, that's false and that's false. Well, show me the truth. If there's a false, there must be a truth. Get to that place of understanding. Come, I want you to lift your hands in your homes. Father, I pray a double portion of your anointing. Double portion. Touch your people. Those who are faithful, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. You restore all things. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I pray that this morning that you'll be touched by the, the presence of the Lord. That you'll understand now more than ever before to pray for ministers of the gospel. Pray for those who's preaching around the world. Pray for those who's running ahead and doing the work of the ministry. They need praise like never before. Pray and not speak against. We're going to have an opportunity again. This details on the screen to sow your seed right now. You know, I want you to hear this. Paul says, Paul says that when you come together, you have to make sure that during the week you've really set your mind and your heart to what you're going to give. Because Jesus taught us that God loves a cheerful giver. God loves somebody that gives cheerfully. A cheerful giver doesn't matter what he gives. He just obeys God's voice. There's details on the screen right now. When you sow into this ministry, you help us to reach 700 million souls around the world. Also, we have a foundation that serves people faithfully with food around this nation. So when you sow into this ministry, you enable us to reach the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. With different television stations as well, reaching the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want you to go ahead and sow right now. All the details on the screen. I just want to say this quickly. We are both registered as non-profit organizations in South Africa and as well as the U- USA. Registered ministries. So as you sow here, you help us to take this gospel around the world. We pray for you. I pray that every prayer will be answered. In Jesus' mighty name. We see you soon. God bless you. Bye-bye.